0: I have continuously heard the phrase of data is king, you know, can't do anything without data. In the end, your data is only going to be as good as your process.
1: The data is only going to be as good as the source of the data as well, where a lot of the solutions we've seen, a lot of the health systems we've seen, aren't collecting the data at source, they're collecting it after the fact.
2: I'm Adam Polka. And I'm Bill Denby. Together, we'll be talking to supply chain experts from around the world who are tackling challenges in their corner
1: of the industry. We believe that people are the change makers that drive innovation. That's why this supply chain podcast is about learning from those who lead by example. We hope that the conversations you hear will inspire you to drive change within your own organization. This
2: is the Great Supply Chain Podcast. Let's jump in.
1: The healthcare supply chain used to be this off-to-the-side, silent operation. It was generally a one-dimensional cost center that really didn't factor into executive strategy. And I remember going into health systems and always looking for supply chain in the basement. But as supply chain has evolved into a strategic asset for most health systems, things are starting to change, and that approach has turned into a relic, or should I say, is turning. We're seeing doctors being asked to standardize, clinicians engaged in design, purchasing involved in data-driven strategic decisions, and CFOs taking notice. But not all health health systems are working this way. To decode some of this, we welcome Kerry Gorman.
2: Kerry works with uh, health systems to redesign supply chains that not only work operationally, but they're keyed into factors like data and finance and outcomes and the full continuum of care. Welcome, Kerry.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me today
2: absolutely so so before we dig in I'm, I'm curious what led you into the world of supply chain like tell us your journey into the great supply chain and beyond
0: first of all i want to thank you guys for um giving me this opportunity to speak to the healthcare community so what has led me to healthcare supply chain so um it was my senior year at clemson went to to clemson south carolina go tigers and it was right at the peak of uh, the financial crisis. So it was 2008, 2009, and my parents had actually moved um, away from my hometown and I was determined to get a job so I didn't have to live with them after college. And so I was searching for different opportunities through the Clemson job fair market and I was attending an Entrepreneur of the Year awards banquet that happened to be the CEO of Vendormate, Andy Monin. So I went up and introduced myself afterward and um, ended up getting hired as an intern at Vendormate. So shortly after the internship turned into a full-time position and I was working with supply chain folks, compliance officers, and finance and accounts payable to um, improve the vendor management experience. And what I quickly noticed is I was actually bringing these department heads together that had never met maybe in person before, and that was vendor credentialing. And after five years at Vendormate, we were purchased by GHX, where I had the opportunity to learn about the purchasing side of healthcare, and really bringing automation and technology to their world to make their everyday lives better. And and that is extremely fulfilling for me. And now I'm at Texas and I started here to really expand my knowledge to learn about what I like to call the other side of supply chain, which is uh, inventory management.
2: So you sort of just fell into this, uh, this career. Now that supply chain is making headlines and a lot more people are sort of focusing on the strategic element of it, I'm curious what kind of advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue supply chain who wants to pursue a career in supply chain right now.
0: Yeah, no great question. Um so I am a visual learner and so I would advise somebody to spend as much time as they can inside the hospital whether that's volunteering or internships and you know being able to to know exactly what supply chain and what individuals in the hospital are going through is really going to you know, help you understand what can I do to bring to the table to make their lives better. And so I'd encourage anyone to, you know, get involved, you know, get involved in your local ARM chapters, you know, read, absorb, um, you know, network as much as you can.
1: Do you think that it's a myth that women can't uh, lead roles in supply chain? Because it's a very male-dominated area. How about addressing that? that myth, because I think that's a great thing for a woman in supply chain to debunk, you know?
0: Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, this really just brings back to women in leadership. So not just in supply chain, but, um, you know, you're right, Bill, historically, supply chain, and just really IT as well has been a a very male dominated industry. And um, I talk a lot with the ladies in my field about how you know, we are continuously surrounded by males. And I think we all are able to bring something to the table when, it, when it's about, you know, creativity or new ideas. And, you know, I'm a true believer of balance. I'm a true believer that needs to have both male and female leaders. So now we're seeing, you know, that there are women in healthcare supply chain leadership. For example, you know, I have the pleasure of, of knowing Regine Villan, who was the first female chief supply chain officer out there, and she's really paved the way.
1: So Carrie, we've, we've seen a huge change in the perception of value managing healthcare supply chain. Partly it's due to the pandemic, but also in, in general. All, it's all leading up to more collaboration between the supply chain and other teams, and Any thoughts on this trend and if you think that it's going to continue?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So, I mean, I would say before the pandemic, um, supply chain, you know, was potentially invisible. Um, I think we can all agree that COVID exposed gaps within the supply chain that showed if you're not investing in the right resources and the right infrastructure, that in, in the end, your patient care may suffer and, you know, definitely is not prepared for an emergency or a pandemic. And so what I've really seen shifted in the industry is more of a focus on interoperability of, uh, between systems um, and giving supply chain the funds that they need to close the gaps that may exist between current systems that are in place so that they truly have visibility to their entire you know, supply chain and know exactly you know, how much inventory is on hand and where is everything located. Because you know, when COVID hit, that's the first thing that your CFO is going to ask you is, How long can we last before we have to order our next shipment? You know, where are all of our supplies? And unfortunately, without true visibility um, and having more of a streamlined systems that talk to each other with interoperability, that becomes very, very hard to achieve seeing that a lot of hospitals are investing in you know, data teams or you know, data gurus that pull these you know, reports to show inventory visibility that can take days or weeks. And you know, that's really scary when you're in the middle of an emergency or a pandemic and you need that information you know, at the drop of a dime and, and it's, it's not available.
1: So i got a tough question for you. Do you think that the, the, the supply chain leaders that we're seeing in health systems are equipped to handle the more complex supply chains that are needed to satisfy the current requirements? Or do you think that these are supply chain leaders that are going to have to develop their skills and change their practices to evolve, to uh, catch up, in effect, with the rest of the, uh, the industry?
0: Um, I think it's a mix of both, and I think it really depends on the individual. I work with healthcare systems that have had leaders in place for 40, 50 years, and change is hard. And you know, sometimes I see that some of those organizations are not, you know, looking at, you know, what can we do differently? How can we be better? Um, and then I look at other organizations that have leadership that come from other industries, like manufacturing or retail, and you know, they are implementing, you know, new systems and you know, implementing programs to uh, encourage more visibility into your inventory and and have better data. So I I would say every leader should should be investing in themselves and and learning, you know, how they can be better and, you know, evolve with the time. I think that's definitely a a major aspect of a good leader, but, you know, it's, it's definitely hit or miss.
2: Getting people on board seems to be one of the biggest uh, challenges in taking on a supply chain overhaul. I know Betty Jo Rocchio at Mercy has said that that was a game changer for her in putting together that cross-functional team and getting buy-in from different departments. From your experience, what are the ingredients to get that kind of collaboration across the different departments and get buy-in across uh, different stakeholder groups?
0: Um, so, so I would say it really is broken down into the three different areas. So one is you want to have aligned goals and vision across the organization. The second one is for all the departments to have a mutual respect and understanding of each other's roles. And then the third one is decision-making. So the first one is, you know, aligning your vision and bringing, you know, frameworks like clinically integrated supply chain or quadruple aim to the organization's mission and vision statement. So for example, quadruple aim, it consists of enhancing patient experience, improving outcomes and reducing costs and improving the work life of staff. So if everybody has that goal in mind, you're going to naturally be working together and, you know, understanding each other's roles. So the second one would be mutual respect. And and that is really having both parties understand what their role is. And, you know, maybe that's, Publicly uh, displaying the, the clinician and supply chain workflow so that you know, everyone understands You know who are the, the key players, who do you go to ask questions, um, what are the processes in each department. And an example that I actually came across in a blog post by Michelle Tracy, who's a senior consultant at Vizient, is she had suggested um, the importance of having voice of customer interviews. So, 15 to 30-minute conversations between supply chain and clinicians, so that you, supply chain can understand the good, the bad, and the ugly of the clinical staff experience. And from those conversations, you can start to see patterns and, and pull themes out um, of these discussions that can help you, you know, understand each other's sides, but also see, you know, how you can work better together to get the results and collaborative environment that you're looking for. So the third one I would say is, you know, decision-making. So in an organization, your decisions can't always, you know, be done in the C-suite or always done without supply chain or even done without clinicians. It's really important for everyone to be at the table. And so more and more, I'm seeing that um, clinicians are part of value analysis committees and, you know, bringing that clinical expertise to the table to make better supply chain decisions.
1: One of the things that we've seen is that clinicians tend to be very data-driven when it comes to accepting recommendations uh, from supply chain, accepting change from supply chain. They don't need just opinions. They need data. They need facts um, just by the nature of who they are. How do um, supply chain people get those kind of content that they can share with um All the key stakeholders, whether it's clinicians or finance or anyone else, to actually be able to start changing the uh, the dialogue and start turning it into a uh, a conversation about factual information driven on you know outcomes or cost or or whatever how do they how does the supply chain uh, leader start going down that path
0: So over my career, I've continuously heard the phrase of data is king you know can't do anything without data in the end. Your data is only going to be as good as your process. And the
1: data is only going to be as good as the source of the data as well, where a lot of the solutions we've seen, a lot of the health systems we've seen aren't collecting the data at source. They tr- they're collecting it after the fact. And that's a really big issue where you actually, you know, it, you lose the integrity of the data and the and the and the, how genuine it is.
0: You know, I I think data has always been important. It always comes up with any, um, you know, ERP or EMR implementation. But in the end, your data is going to only be as strong as your inventory processes and the visibility across your organization in all departments.
2: You've got supply chain, finance, clinical. I'm curious, where are they naturally aligned, and where are they clearly misaligned?
0: So I would say that all three of the groups are aligned on the. Top priority of the organization, and that's the best patient care, uh, ensuring the best possible outcomes for the patient. and where they're not always aligned is with data. However, they need data in order to achieve each of their individual goals. When I, you know when I was at GHX, definitely focused on, focusing on uh, data management and keeping your data your item master. You know, clean. It was clear that it was not a very, it was not a natural and obvious um, task for any healthcare organization. So by, you know, aligning your data and align, or really sharing your activities and aligning your data, is going to ensure success across the departments. So because I mean, when I think of the data at GHX, it was really to support projects like IT projects. But now I'm starting to see at Texas that in order to have clean data, yes, a data cleansing solution is important. But it's only going to be sustainable if you truly have visibility into your inventory utilization and um, what's being used across the hospital, you know, tracking to consumption and doing that accurately and not missing charges and, you know, having, you know, really having a precise process of managing your inventory utilization is going to get you there.
1: So, so Carrie, why should, why should an organization care? What, what are some of the biggest advantages of having seamless collaboration between the three organizations, supply chain, finance, and clinicians? And and, and how does that actually affect the bottom line of the health system?
0: Yeah, so the, the bottom line really is the more alignment between supply chain finance and the clinical staff, the better for everyone. Finance knows where the dollars are going. Clinicians have the supplies they need to focus on patient care. And then supply chain has visibility into what is being used and in, in what they need to purchase to ensure that the supplies are at the right place at the right time to provide the you know the best patient care. And so when there's not collaboration, there tends to be a snowball effect that can trickle into more negative events that may not be ideal for an organization. Um, And you know, it's usually a hospital is focused on the cost. If they don't have visibility into what's being used, they don't know where their dollars are being spent. So that could impact, you know, maybe higher procedure costs or maybe pay cuts or even layoffs and you know eventually an acquisition or a merger. And, you know, we've been talking about um, the quadruple aim for years and everybody's heard it because when you have collaboration between these different groups, you're able to achieve the quadruple aim, which is consisting of better patient experience, improving outcomes, reducing costs, and improving the work life of your clinicians. So I had worked with an interim director of supply chain at an organization and uh, she was telling me that you know she really went in to clean up and and improve their processes. And uh, within her first six months there, she had received a standing ovation from the nursing staff when she walked into a meeting because uh, she identified that uh, she tracked nurses' hours um, every week for putting. Uh, inventory back on the shelves. She said it was about 12 hours per area, which is, you know, definitely a full-time FTE per area. And so to solve for that, she uh, incorporated having a mobile case cart in every patient room that had just the basic general supplies. Every cart had about 20 or 25 supplies. But, you know, that, that came from talking to the clinicians and learning where their pain points were and watching their behavior and, and seeing, you know, where are their gaps and where can can we you know, help serve the customer.
1: I think that's a great example of how small changes can make significant impact on outcomes to patients. Um, And we see that throughout health systems where uh, things that could have been done years ago are starting to be done because clinicians and supply chain are collaborating and understanding each other and starting to do things which are mutually beneficial. You have any other examples like that?
0: I do. Um, so, when there is a collaborative environment in an organization, decisions are actually done faster. And I've got an example. So, I, I was speaking with a vice president of supply chain a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me that uh, his CEO approved um, ordering a six month stock of exam gloves uh, from Vietnam in eight minutes. Just because of the collaboration between the clinicians and supply chain and finance, and you know thankfully, they you know approved that decision because uh, the exam gloves ended up being twenty eight percent cheaper. And they also ended up being going on a shortage. Um, and then their distributor came back and actually put a sixty percent markup trying to sell them the same you know six-month stock of exam gloves. So when organizations are speaking collaboratively and working together, things get done faster.
2: So, Carrie, you've been, you've been talking about the value of these uh, three different stakeholders uh, collaborating. Um, if you could identify one actionable step that health systems can take, some stakeholder in that health system that wants to start towards this path, what would that one step be? What would that one actionable item uh, be?
0: So, Adam, it's, it's, it's tough for me to just say one. Uh, I'm going to have to share a few here. Um, but the first one would be include your clinical staff in your value analysis committees and involve them in in purchasing decisions. The second one would be to have a chief supply chain officer at the table making decisions with the C-suite. I think that shows that the organization is, you know, being progressive and proactive and uh, understanding the importance of supply chain. And then also having supply chain responsible for inventory across all departments. You know, I've talked to hospitals that uh, have been historically heavily focused on physician preference items. And, you know, without having supply chain helping with those decisions, you know, you you might not be getting the best outcomes. You might not be paying the lowest price. And then the last one would be having better data integration to drive actual decisions um, based on data. You know, here at Texas, uh, we've been meeting a lot with individuals from finance, supply chain, IT systems, and even the clinical side. And when I ask them, you know, you know, why now? Why are you compelled to meet with us today? Every single meeting, the response has been, you know, we need better data. We're spending hours every day trying to pull these reports from these disparate systems that don't talk. And, you know, data is needed to make better decisions.
2: Kerry Gorman, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Kerry.
0: Thank you. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it, guys.
1: Well, that's it for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining us. We hope that our guests have sparked some new ideas for you and inspired you to push the boundaries for your supply chain operation. New podcasts will be published on the first of every month. And in the meantime,
2: please reach out. We want to know your thoughts about our guests, the topics we covered, and any ideas you might have for future episodes. You can email us at texaspodcast at texas.com.
1: Let us know if you'd be willing to join us and perhaps share your perspective as supply chain experts.
2: And please, share us with a colleague and leave us a review. We appreciate your feedback as we continue to evolve the show and line up new compelling interviews. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as a new episode goes live. Until then, this has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka with Texas. And I'm Bill Denby. And thank you for tuning in.